Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. I like to keep a pretty loose definition. I think it's coding adjacent as well as with coding, but it could be things where you're producing art with code. It could be making, you know, images, music, video, immersive experiences. You could be using a an artistic medium to teach about coding. You could be doing hardware related things where you're sort of coding, but you're maybe soldering too. Uh, I think of it more as a mindset. You're using whimsy, humor, and creativity. You're using both your left and right brain at the same time. Women Who Code Talks Tech is a segment that features experts in a specific field of technology, sharing their knowledge on an in-depth and highly technical subject. These talks are designed to both introduce advanced subjects and provide insight into the work being done in these fields. As a leader in the technology field, Anne champions equality and works to create belonging for underrepresented groups. Her determination and passion gets results from serving as the first engineer at a startup to a leap of faith, move to Japan to build her life, um, even, even though um, she hadn't found a job yet. And she grew up in Montana, USA, and enjoys spending time in nature. So in her spare time, um, Anne studies uh, Japanese painting, um, calligraphy, and indigo dyeing. And she currently works as a software engineer at Mercury Japan. So Anne, I will go to pass it over to you. I'm really excited for your talk on creative coding to inspire. So thank you. Thanks. Yeah, um, thanks for the lovely introduction, Sapphire. Yeah, I'm Anne. I'm actually at um, in McCurry, based in Japan, working on the U.S. product. It's a little funny, but it's um, it's fun. Um, let me get into my talk. So a little bit about me. I guess Sapphire read my bio, but I want to emphasize that I've been doing art, math, and combining math and computer science and art for a long time. In fact, when I was in college, I majored in three different things and it was, it took me a while, it took me five years, but I just really liked studying different areas. When I went to grad school, I got a master's degree in computer science. And though I work in a tech job still, one of my primary reasons for moving to Japan is because the art culture here is very deep. So what will this talk be about? The focus areas are what is creative coding? Why should we do it? And then we'll go into 10 prompts we can use in our project. So first of all, what is creative coding? What if I can't draw? What if I don't know JavaScript? What if I don't know artists? Can I still do it? Okay, let's be honest with JavaScript. Lots of people do JavaScript without knowing JavaScript. So you don't need to know JavaScript and it's not just front end. What is art? That's a question for another talk. It doesn't matter. I wanna say that anyone can do this. And the goal of it is to create something expressive instead of something functional. This is how Wikipedia describes it. I like to keep a pretty loose definition. I think it's coding adjacent as well as with coding, but it could be things where you're producing art with code. It could be making you know, images, music, video, immersive experiences. You could be using a, an artistic medium to teach about coding. You could be doing hardware-related things where you're sort of coding, but you're maybe soldering too. Uh, I think of it more as a mindset. You're using whimsy, humor, and creativity. You're using both your left and right brain at the same time. 
So it's not a particular programming language. There's no required skills, just an open mind and curiosity. It's also a journey that I've sort of named in the last year, and I've been doing these sessions with women who code Tokyo, uh, but they're online, so anyone can join. But I think in different parts of my career, I've done creative things with coding, but I'm honestly still pretty new and learning what it is. And so I hope you'll join me um, tonight or whatever time of day this is for you, and let's explore together. So why should we do it? Um, one idea is you want to make a portfolio project. And while there's plenty of calculators and Twitter clones and, you know, basic calendars and stuff out there, what if you made something that really stood out? So like, for instance, one project is I made a 16th century style Japanese clock and it works like, like a mechanical clock does. And it tells the time in the way that they did where the hours change depending on the length of the day. Uh, so you can do something that's like really one of a kind. Another reason is overcome boredom. You know, we often have jobs that are, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for my job. And sometimes I have to do something like update a database. And it's not the most exciting thing I've done in my life, but that's okay. Or maybe we have to choose a programming language that works for the team rather than what's my passion. That's okay. Our jobs don't always have to be perfectly exciting or perfectly, you know, our passion. But it is good if, you know, you really have kind of a weird, wild idea, you can do it on a solo project and have free artistic control. And yeah, maybe no one's going to pay me to make an AI to name Japanese sodas, but it entertains me and it makes me laugh. So that's why I like to do creative coding. Also, cross-disciplinary work is another great reason. Maybe you're excited about biology or music, or you really like cooking and you want to incorporate that into code um, or into software, or you want to use, you know, data science to, to calculate something. So it's a really great way to bridge disciplines. So next I'll get into 10 prompts for creative coding. I invite you to try these at home. And if you want company, check out the hashtag creative coding channel inside the Women Who Code Slack, uh, because we've been sharing a lot of stuff there. I've even been writing a Git book that I'll link to at the end of the talk and doing sessions basically monthly where we do different prompts. Um, but I'm going to just list a bunch of prompts tonight, and then you can kind of read more in detail later. So the first one is called Good Artists Borrow, Great Artists Steal. This quote comes from Steve Jobs, but Steve Jobs may have been stealing this quote from Pablo Picasso, who may have been rephrasing Igor Stravinsky, who said, lesser artists borrow, great artists steal. But this might not even be original because this is possibly a rephrase of T.S. Eliot who said, Immature poets imitate, mature poets steal, bad poets deface what they take, and good poets make into something better, or at least something different. The good poet welds his theft into a whole of feeling which is unique, utterly different than from what it is torn. And uh, this series of quotes is from uh, the Utah Valley University Art Department, who actually note that this is an example of stealing all the way, to, like, several layers of stealing. Uh, so it's very interesting about where artists draw inspiration. What is the origin of ideas? So what does this mean in code? Perhaps 
we take something that's known in the world. So in January of this year, this game Wordle became super popular and lots of people started making different versions of it or interpretations of it. I saw Japanese language Wordles with katakana and kanji, uh, the Japanese letter systems. I saw a really cool one that took the Wordle square output and output it into words so uh, for accessibility so that someone who is blind or visually impaired could understand what the letters were at each stage. And I uh, personally, I worked on one where I wrote a Wordle clone in Golang, so it just works in the terminal. Uh, so it uses ASCII and a series of emoji squares to tell you if your letter's right. And it prints out a little keyboard using the terminal. Now, stealing is a, you know, complicated word. Well, it's it's a word that certainly evokes some, some emotions because, you know, stealing can be wrong and can be bad. So what do we mean by stealing? Like, when is it okay? I'm, you know, we're part of a global organization, a nonprofit, and we're trying to be a force for good in the world. So I'm not trying to tell you to go out there and just, just take whatever you want. Uh, there are ethical ways of stealing. So here are some things to consider. There are um, open source licenses that give you permission to take and reuse stuff. So the MIT license is an example of a very permissible license that lets you do things as long as you cite the sources. There are sometimes um, websites like Glitch that let you remix and reinterpret people's code. Uh, there are laws in the US, two laws that are very helpful in this situation. The fair use, I use the fair do use doctrine at the beginning of this because some of the things I'm sharing in this talk are for scholarly use. It's okay for me to comment on them. Um, another one is parody law, um, which if for people who watch the American show Saturday Night Live, you might see that they make fun of brands or something. Well, this comedy show has a reputation for making parody of different things. So you can have a, you know, an antibacterial hamburger helper. They can make fun of that and use that trademark. Uh, so yeah. Uh, check with your own country and your own jurisdiction's laws, but there are there are ways you can borrow things. Another principle is to change things enough and make it your own. Make sure you're bringing something genuinely new and not just ripping something off. The third point is to consider power dynamics such as cultural appropriation. Um, you know, do you have more or less social standing than the party you're taking things from? Are you part of a large corporation? and taking something from a small individual creator or, you know, there's just, it's, there's no one size fits all answer, but these are some guidelines that can help you make a good choice. Next prompt is CSS art. Uh, I really recommend checking out CodePen.io to get inspired here. Here's an example of this camera picture was made in full CSS and it was made by Cassidy Williams or Cassidy. Actually, if you see the real link, it kind of tilts and the little flash triggers. It's really cool. Uh, you can start with simple things, building up shapes with circles, squares, arcs, doing different colors and transparency and build things that, you know, you feel like you can pick this up with the shadow. So it's, it's really incredible what people can build. Um, just using HTML and CSS. Third prompt is to get creative with your developer tooling. We're using our computers every day. And why not make it your own? Consider customizing your terminal. 
IDE or keyboard. Although I'll say the keyboard one, that's an expensive hobby. So <laughs> choose wisely. But customizing the terminal is free. And I was inspired by a creator named Sally Lay, who helped me um, kind of come up with my own terminal keyboard. So I use a Mac. So I used iTerm2, which gives more extensible colors beyond the default terminal. So I can set a nice color scheme. I'm using Z Shell. So I used Oh My ZSH, the custom theme. And I tweaked it a little bit to give it this like dongo feel, which is a, it's a snack food in Japan. Um, there are these nice, they're sometimes, you know, this pink, white, green color. That's kind of fun in spring. So this is what it looks like when I log into my terminal. It says, hello, Anne. And it might be shows little sparkles or different things, depending on if I'm in a Git repository or if my last command succeeded or failed. So it's super fun. And you can, yeah, check out the ZHS themes. You can either install one someone else made or made your own, make your own. Prompt number four is to use emoji. So one of my favorite projects for this is darksky.com. This is like a really good weather service. They have a weather map that's just made out of emoji. And um, so you can see the weather recently in Tokyo has been pretty ganky, pretty good. And in later in the summer, they'll get a little more you know, these kind of sad faces or stressful faces as we get into the notoriously hot summer. Uh, there are a couple open source emoji libraries. So these are good to use. So Twitter's emoji set are open source and OpenMoji. So these can be tools that you can use freely. Prompt number five is to use artificial, artificial intelligence, but instead of using it to solve a problem, do it for hijinks. Train a neural net to do something unexpected. So Janelle Shane, this is one of my favorite projects. She fed a neural network the Sherwin-Williams paint catalog with the colors, the names, and the colors in the RGB codes and basically had it generate new, <laughs> new names. You people professionally name paint. So she was like, what if an AI did it? I think my favorite one is still Light of Blast, but these are just it's just delightful. And she runs a whole blog called AI Weirdness that's full of stuff like this. So please check it out. It's very good. Prompt number six is to use the processing framework. Processing is a programming language and framework for visual artists. It's been around since 2001. It's free and open source. You can download it. There's lots of different tools. You, you It's just like a blank canvas. You can make all sorts of stuff with it. But one thing when you're working with code is you can do really mathematical stuff. So I was really inspired by this um, Penrose tile generation. And Penrose, Penrose tiles are kind of cool because they're an aperiodic pattern. So it's it's kind of like patterns, but they're, they're it's never like self-similar. It's always changing infinitely, uh, but it has this sort of order to it. Uh, so it's really neat to see the sort of stuff that you can do when you when you use code as your as your drawing implement. Prompt number seven is to use color. Um, so we've all probably played with color in the physical world on paper, and maybe you learned the primary colors as red, blue, yellow. Um, with light, the primary colors change a little bit because um, it just, <laughs> color theory is complex. And I'm still learning a lot about it, but I've been trying to document some things on this GitHub page, but there are many different ways of representing color on a computer screen. And I'll just go over two of the systems. 
So there's one called red, blue, green, and it's additive. Why is it called additive? Well, when we add all three of them together, we get white, which is pure light. And then the other one, the subtractive system is CMYK. That K stands for key or black. It comes from the printing world, which is usually using cyan, magenta, yellow ink, and then a black layer or a key image to kind of lock it all together. So historically, this is how newspapers are printed or a lot of different, um, hey, you buy a printer cartridge, you've got a full color printer, you've probably got magenta, cyan, yellow, and black. Um, and subtractive, when you add them all together, you get black, which is the absence of light. So that's just two systems. There's hue saturated, hue saturation brightness. There's a bunch of other different ways and color systems. And it gets really technical and interesting, but you can do a lot of things with color. I mean, it's, we're no longer on those, you know, monochromatic screen. Maybe you, maybe you're still on the device that's monochromatic, but yeah, one thing I did with color, um, I mentioned Sapphire mentioned in my intro, they like Japanese painting and I had been going to the paint store to buy ground mineral pigments. And I noticed I had been buying the same color more than once, which is not the best use of my money. Uh, so I decided to make a little project to make sure I know which paint colors I own. And so I basically, it's a kind of a very simple Django website with a pretty a front end that looks like it's from the 90s, but it does what I needed to do and it lists all the colors with the kanji name. And then I've put, so at the, uh, I have the kanji name at the top and then I have the Romaji, which is how do I pronounce it in English or how I write it in Roman characters. Then the type of pigment, which is Shin Iwa Enigo, which means artificial mineral pigment. Uh, what if it were the real one, if I were a professional artist and I used the real one, uh, it would be made of azurite and malachite, but I'm not paying for that yet. And then the hex code of the approximate color and what are the grain sizes, basically how coarse is the pigment. Notice the, the finer ones, the higher, higher number are more light. And so this just helps me track uh, my paints. Fun fact, um, if you read um, Chinese characters or, or Japanese characters. Uh, there's a lot of mouse grays in Japanese color theory. So there's a couple Nezumi Iro, there's like a rock mouse and there's a, I, I can't read all of them, but yeah, mouse gray is a cute color. <laughs> so I have it, it's running on Heroku, it's run on Django. And it's just a little site that I use to not buy the same paint more than once. Uh, prompt number eight is zines. So this is an example of things that are coding adjacent. So these here are several creators who use zines to teach about coding. Zines are kind of this kind of punk style way of communicating where you're using low tech printing. Maybe you're using a copy machine, just simple black and white copies like with toner. Maybe you're using a silk screen. Uh, some people will do fancier stuff and use a risograph, which is still kind of older technology, but a little more exclusive. Uh, you can also just make one digitally and distribute it as a PDF. And these can be done in lots of places, but one cool application is to teach about coding. So Julia Evans does these wizard zines, which are deeply technical, but very cute. So here's one that teaches about Linux. Sailor Mercury, who um, she's the creator behind bubble sort zines, does these kind of soft kawaii things about technical topics. And um, code art is a um, 
it's kind of an open submission uh, zine. Um, the editor is Cy Brand, and they've released several different versions online. It's about coding or just things that are made with coding or poetry and art. It's really interesting. Prompt number nine is to do something retro. So consider using an old school programming language. Maybe you could write something in BASIC, COBOL, Pascal, or C. Uh, these languages are a little rarer now, but they still have some really great fundamentals in it. Maybe you can make something that, that's new, but it still feels retro. So perhaps you use pixel art or use MIDI music, something that feels from a different decade. Hardware hacking too is a really uh, great place. Um, you might be a little more software adjacent, um, you know, you're getting into physical devices, but there's often similar logic and it can help reinforce your software. I have a, a friend from years ago who would make his own clocks out of like Nixie tubes and, and different things. And um, it's pretty interesting. So he would actually design the circuit board and um, do this. And it's just, it's kind of fun and whimsical. It's like just from a different era, era of technology. Uh, prompt number 10 is to connect and get inspired. So a lot of just seeing who's out there can help you get inspired along this journey. And one of the things I love about the creative com uh, coding community is it just was like naturally a very diverse group of people. I just felt like I was meeting, you know, there's gender diversity, there's people from different countries, from different races. It's just really awesome to see that it was just like naturally, hey, this is this is a really cool group of people, and and everyone is bringing their own perspective and things to this. So I wanted to share some people I found, and hope you'll find more. Uh, but first of all, Cassidy Williams is a developer experience expert. She's really into mechanical keyboards and has designed a few like a Scrabble theme keyboard. You can follow her at Cassidy.co. Sailor Mercury goes like Sailor HG, which is a periodic table joke. She does the bubble sort zines and these kind of really delightful little, um, you know, she made this computer that looks like an orange. <laughs> it's so great. Cy Brand um, is the editor of uh, the Code Art Journal, and they also put together some really great educational short videos. I remember first meeting them when they presented about um, concurrency by feeding cats. So it's like, oh, you know, these are hardcore computer science topics taught in a really delightful way. More inspiring creators uh, from Asia, we have Naomi Wu. She's based in Shenzhen. She's a really inspiring woman who is very supportive of all women in tech. She does a lot of hardware hacking and 3D printing. She's got some, you know, big personality, a lot of, a lot of interesting creations. Analytical is the coding drag queen. So this person dresses in drag and teaches about coding and does CSS art that looks like famous Urban Decay makeup palettes. Uh, Chiamaka Ikiani, uh, I found this woman when I was looking up how to customize my terminal and she's got a wealth of articles and blog posts about um, being in software and, you know, different different technical topics. So very cool person to follow. A few more creators, Mina Markham. I wanted to share her work, but I couldn't get in touch with her. But check out her GitHub because she has a Beyonce themed terminal uh, 
custom terminal thing. It's just so funny and so creative. She's a front end engineer and designer. And she's also famous because she worked on Hillary Clinton's, um, I think, website design system. She created that. Julia Evans does the tech scenes. And I pictured her work again here. And Gabriel Wee is like an illustrator, software. Uh, she does really cool CSS art and has one of the most beautiful homepages I've ever seen. Um, so these are just some fantastic creators that I've come across with in, and I'm sure there's so many more out there, but please support and follow these people. And yeah, that is basically creative coding. If you want to learn more, please check out the Git book that I'm working on. It is a living document. I'm updating it all the time. Um, but my goal is to do one of these set, go through one of these prompts every month um, with Women Who Code Tokyo or anyone, because it's online, it's open to anyone. And you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Stone Cold Kilzer. You can contact me. My email address is annkilzer at womenwhocode.com. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.